Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong. Nauseous. So tired, so nauseous, so snotty. I am the loaf. With me, the Zom. What's up? We are here with episode number 39. Mm-hmm, 39. We got a little uh, uh, pissed off J- average Joe double feature. Mosquito on the 10th floor from 1983. Mm-hmm. Joe from 1970. With a, one, with a performance for the ages from, <laughs> from Peter Boyle. He's not racist at all, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-mm. Not as far as we're concerned. No, it fits right in here. Uh, so, yeah. That'll be good, good, good times there. Zom, how are you, sir? Besides, uh, great. Besides wonderful. drugged. Fucking great. <laughs> I uh, fell asleep and slept on the couch. Woke up, very confused, having not watched one of our movies. I'm out of it. Yeah. It's one of those fucking weeks where uh, even though I prepared and everything, the goddamn, I watched pretty much both movies about uh, two hours ago. I was watching... <laughs> the. I was watching Mosquito on the 10th floor on the computer... With Joe on the iPad <laughs> right beside of it, reading the subtitles, watching Joe, and watching the other screen at the same time for 45 minutes to finish these fuckers up. Okay, that's, it's that's not amazing. great. Well, I'm multitask, and God damn it, I might as well put this manic fuck. I don't, it doesn't even matter. Let's continue. <laughs> oh. Fuck this shit. How was your week? Lots of, uh, put it this way. <laughs> I um, kind of got in the mode of, uh, you know, um, well, let's just put it this way. I, uh, I don't even want to talk about it because <laughs> let's just move on. <laughs> no, it was a, it's a good week as far as, um, Me being a fucking pig, and um, as far as women go, so. <laughs> I'll have to get the details later. Yeah, well, you get the details later. Um, I gotta- I, I've been very successful at uh, finding lots of girls who are more than willing to just um, stop. 
<laughs> and did you partake in said stooping? Well, let's just say um, I'm not proud of myself. <laughs> oh, but you got anybody sitting on your porch yet? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, let's let's hope you didn't go about your stooping the way that the dude in Mosquito on the tenth floor did. <laughs> Put it this way: first names, and they didn't come here. <laughs> yeah. And I conveniently forgot the way to their house afterwards. And I conveniently, yes, uh, I have another, a, a completely different job. I don't, I mean, yeah, I put it, I, I My name I would, is James. I work at a video store. Well, I was a little bit more successful than that. Oh, I own three video stores. Oh, wait. I don't know, man. I just, it just came over me. And then, you know, it's one of those deals. Then you, as soon as you, you came over her and then the, you just, uh, you're just like, why the fuck did, have I done why have thou forsaken me so? So you were just, I, you were just masturbating confused. yourself with a 160-pound love glove. There you go, Daddy. <laughs> or 150, 140, I don't know. Uh, you were close the first time. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I actually had a pretty good week. I was having trouble remembering what I did Saturday, but it was because I uh, actually was out late, very late, and it was, a, it was a crazy day where you get home and then you leave immediately. Um, I went to go see Archers of Loaf play. Um, local band. Archers of what? Loaf. Archers of Loaf. Uh, oh. I, I, I actually, not where I got the name either. Um, they. Um, off that other guy on the internet. Yeah. yeah. They, um, they're a local band that are. They broke up in the late 90s and they've kind of made a comeback around here. Um, no. I don't know if they've done a lot of like nation touring or if, even if they're going to even make any new albums. So they just kind of play their old stuff. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And, um, I saw them at a venue I hadn't seen them at before. So, um, a place called Kings love that place. So good, good times. And I, I bought a nice print of the show. So those are the, one of the singers of the opening bands, um, made these, uh, prints of like a football player flying through the sky over, uh, over the, uh, Raleigh skyline. So, Mm. And uh, so it actually, is it a gay, a gay football player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're still living in uh, North Carolina. He he just can't get married. He can be gay all he wants just by oh, okay. closed doors. <laughs> um, and uh, then I went to go see the uh, the Pawtucket Paw Sox play the Durham Bulls yesterday. So that was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Uh, first time I'd ever been to the Bulls game where I wasn't exactly cheering for the Bulls. Um, so I had the local team versus the um, affiliate of my favorite baseball team playing each, each other. So I sat with a ton of Red Sox fans. I bought a Paw Sox hat. I politely clapped for everybody. So and Paw Sox won five to four. Lots of there was a few home runs. It was pretty good. Good was Nuke Lelouch pitching. Nuke Lelouch was not pitching, but um, Kevin U- Kevin Euclidus mm-hmm. was uh, DHing. He's on rehab right now. I remember him. Yeah, and uh, Daisuke Matsuzaka is pitching tonight, uh, yeah. which I will not see that because I have to work. Yeah. Um, but uh, Hideki Matsui, who used to play for the Yankees, mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. has been signed by the Rays, and he's coming back, and he was playing for the for the Bulls last night. Oh, shit. So that was pretty good. There's lots of major leaguer action yeah. going on. So. Uh, so what have you been watching this week, sir? All righty. God damn. I have a little thing on my tongue. Oh, God, I hope that's not some oh, kind of... Oh, no. <laughs> nah, let's forget I just said that. <laughs> I'll delete it. I'll, uh, I'll edit it out later. 
as I uh, wash my mouth out. Uh oh. Okay. Now I think it's more or less just from lots of usage. Um, whatever. The first thing that I watched was a uh, movie called Man Pride Vengeance, a.k.a. Le Homo, Le Orgogolio, La Vendetta, starring Franco Nero and Klaus Kinski. (laughs) Nice. Um, It's just okay. Uh, Actually, it's not that good. And um, I, I, right off the bat, it's one of these ones that I got um, when the leeches were free. Yeah, yes. A, a while, a long time ago. So I didn't even know what it was. And so when I clicked on it, I was like, oh, okay, there's, you know, Franco Nero. And uh, then I got about halfway through and Klaus Kinsey shows up and I was like, okay, now I know why I got this. But it's just, uh, it's a little bit below average uh, spaghetti western. Uh, next thing I watched, which I will be reviewing with Bryn on the Hamakash podcast, uh, coming up sometime in the future. I think here, uh, maybe uh, beginning of next week, uh, Sands of the Kalahari. Uh, it's a pretty good movie. Um, Stuart Whitman, Stanley Baker. A group of people kind of get stuck out in the desert and have to deal with uh, finding food. They're in the, like the mountain. There's like mountains and stuff uh, in the desert uh, where they're at. Um, but there's like lots of baboons and shit like that. It's it's pretty good. Uh, but you know, if you want to hear any more about that, listen to the Hamakas podcast. When I'm on there, I'll let you know. Next thing I watched was a documentary that I had my queue for a long time called American Grindhouse. Uh, this was okay. I mean, it, I it was. That, yeah. I thought that one was okay too. It, yeah, it, I, I like the other ones. The about the the Philippines and the uh, yeah, yeah better. The Australian. But, uh, it was uh, it was it was not bad. Uh, I like when they were showing some of the. Um, some of the weirder stuff that I had not seen, uh, like when the guy first started, the guy who really first started doing extreme gore and shit like that, that was kind of interesting. Landis is, is always good to hear him talk because he's pretty funny. Uh, next thing I watched was uh, the movie, another one that was in my queue. I had like in my instant queue and in my DVD queue on Netflix uh, when we had a Skype party a, a couple weeks ago. Um, I have like 700 and some movies in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on that too. So, you know, it's fucking stupid. But uh, I finally watched uh, I'm Still Here with Jack Quinn Phoenix <laughs> and uh, Casey Affleck, who luckily you don't really see. Um, it's hard to like this movie knowing that it was just fake. Yeah. Uh, if you – there was a part of me once I – after about um, – Halfway through, I was kind of watching it more like it was actually happening, you know. But, you know, it's just obnoxious because when you know that that it was just some bullshit stunt, 
that they really it really comes off as pretentious and obnoxious and you know i'd be like i'd tell those guys to go fuck themselves uh and the one thing that was good was uh how fat joaquin phoenix got man he was fat <laughs> and bloated Blah. um Next thing was a movie with Halle Berry and Olivier Martinez called Dark Tide. Uh, it's about sharks. Uh, she swims with sharks, and she's one of the best, one of the only people that can swim and understand them. Fuck her. I don't yeah, give a shit. You've watched some annoying movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care. I don't really care for her, and especially when she won the goddamn Oscar for getting fucked by Billy Bob Thornton and going, you make me feel good. You make me feel good. I hated that. The movie wasn't bad. She was not that good. She is a fucking hack. She is a Wahlberg. <laughs> and the older she gets, she still looks okay, but she don't look that goddamn good. That uh, uh, I think it's I pronounced Olivier Martinez or Oliver Martinez. I like him, and I was wondering why after like you know he was in SWAT and he was in the one with uh, Richard Gere and Diane Lane where she's cheating on Richard Gere's her husband. Um, I was like, you know, I wonder why this guy. He, I wish he'd make more good movies. I just assumed he was making shitty movies like this. Uh, SWAT came out in 2003, and he's only made like four movies since then. And he actually, this is a quinky dink, uh, is dating Halle Berry, and they're getting married or they have gotten married. So I guess that's why they're in this fucking movie. It was not that good. Um, I watched Iron Man 2. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the best I hate fucking uh, Don Cheadle in this Rhodey I wanted to fucking I wish he would have got killed Robert Downey Jr. was <laughs> a little bit too much uh, over the top um, Scarlet looked fucking hot she was ten times hotter in this than she was in the Avengers she had long darker red hair and man she was fucking hot because a lot of the times before he knew she was Black Widow and she just was brought on to be his assistant, she was wearing the tightest goddamn skirts and god damn, I can forgive uh, that piece of ass. She can't act that great, but she's a piece of ass and she's funny in real life. Um, one in the gun. Straight to DVD. <laughs> uh, my friend Randy said that this movie was like a lifetime uh, movie with uh, nudity, um, and I kind of agree. It tried to. It was like a noir, noir, uh, but uh, it wasn't. The people couldn't act. There was one girl in it named Catherine Randolph, and man, she was fucking hot. She's got a nice body. God damn! Uh, but don't watch it. Um, <laughs> next thing I watched. Did you watch anything good this week? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I'm getting to him. Uh, Stand by me, Rob Reiner movie with uh, hey, River good. Phoenix. And uh, since I was talking about Jack Wynn or Joaquin, Jack Wynn, uh, it's, it's it's entertaining. You know, I like when it said something about at the end. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, and all my life, I'd ne- you know, I never had friends as as good of friends as the friends I had when I was twelve years old. I don't know about that. Is that the is that the one with the kid that the fat kid story that he eats all the pie and throws up? Yeah, all the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty funny. Uh, and then the, the the actual fat kid in the movie ended up fucking uh, Rebecca Romaine for I don't know how long. They're still married, so more power <laughs> to him. Way to go, fat kid. 
uh, you fat fuck. And then the other one was the <laughs> other uh, Corey. Oh, yeah. Corey uh, Feldman. Feldman. And he was Corporal Teddy Duchamp with the fucking burn-up ear. Because uh, his dad held his ear to the stove. Nice. Nice dad. Thanks, Dad. Okay, next, the next two I'm going to talk about, uh, we're going to be reviewing next week, so I won't say too much about it. Uh, but uh, the one in the uh, Spanish uh, name was Adios al Amigo, uh, a.k.a. Adieu l'ami, a.k.a. Honor Among Thieves, a.k.a. Uh, Farewell Friend with uh, Charles Bronson and Elaine Delon. We'll be doing that next week. Uh, next thing I watched was uh, Red Sun with uh, Charles Bronson, Elaine Delon, Toshiro Mafuni, and Ursula Andrus again. Maybe next week you'll hear more about those two fucking movies, your mother. Maybe. Fuckers! Next thing I watched was a little movie called Giant uh, starring Rock Hudson, Rock the Cock, uh, James Dean, Elizabeth Taylor, and... I just farted. Uh, I'm, I'm so about to shit my pants. <laughs> uh, uh, I've been eating this canned uh, black bean chili uh, pretty much all week. Jesus. So, and it's good too, daddy-o. I think uh, all, thing- all I had was beer and nachos for dinner last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking breakfast of champions. Uh, Giant is a good movie. Um it's a classic. I li- uh, there's one particular scene where, uh, toward the end, where Rock gets in a uh, brawl with a guy in a diner, which is really cool. It makes a good point. Um, next thing I watched, Crime Doctor. Crime Doctor. Or wait a minute. Crime Doctor's Strangest Case. Uh, it's starring a guy named Warner uh, Baxter. This was like a uh, 19, early 50s black and white. Uh, actually, it was pretty entertaining. Uh, the guy, uh, Warner Baxter, actually was a pretty good actor. The rest of the people were fairly wooden and B-movie actors, but he stood out. And uh, it's worth watching. I mean, it's yeah, not great, but uh, it, uh, it surprised me that it was uh, that it was entertaining and in a couple of different ways, like, yeah. you know, that some of it was pretty crappy and some of it, uh, whatever. Mm. Uh, Kevin Smith, Burn in Hell. <laughs> this is a, um, it's kind of a stand-up, but uh, also, like most of it, he answers questions from the crowd. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, he was talking about um, uh, when they made Red State and... Um, the you know the uh, Westboro Baptist Church and everything. Well, I guess the Westboro Baptist Church was um, picketing all these places, so they went out to picket the Westboro Baptist Church. And one of his friends, Malcolm, is a big gay guy. He's the guy that made the documentary mm-hmm. "Small Town Gay Bar," and uh, they were making signs. So if it said, you know, if their sign said God hates fags, all their signs would say like Odin loves whatever and <laughs> prom and whatever. So they made this one sign that was, they said it was the most, the, 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 their secret weapon. And they gave it to Malcolm to hold. And it was in like big glittery letters. And, you know, if they say God hates fags, it said cock taste yummy. Um, <laughs> so, they said Shirley Phelps was right in the middle of singing, you know, God hates fags. They have this song that they sing all the time. 
and they had the camera on her face showing her. And when she was singing that, they walked over and they took out that sign <laughs> right in the middle of her. She was like, God hates that. And she just like stopped. So when he was doing the stand up, he, he had told them, you know, you should come see my movie. If you're going to talk about it, you've never even seen it. So he gave them free passes. They came to the movie. So when they were sitting up in the balcony, he Shirley Phelps was up there and he said, uh, Shirley, there's one thing I've always wanted to ask you. Um, when we were protesting your protest and you were singing and they held up the sign that said, <laughs> uh, cock taste yummy. Um, you had this look on your face and he goes, I've always wanted to ask you, was the look because, oh my God, look at that sign. Or was the look like, no, it doesn't. Um, so anyway, that was funny, but he's pretty, he was pretty good. It was pretty entertaining. Uh, next thing I watched was infuriating and will make you want to fucking do things to uh, two brothers that are really assholes. The Koch brothers exposed, um, these two cocksuckers are, you know, they, uh, they ought to be ran out of the fucking country. Um, but I don't want to elaborate on that cause I don't really feel like going off on politics, but they are fucking pieces of shit, human pieces of shit. Um, lipstick and dynamite, uh, documentary, um, about, um, old school lady wrestling from back in the fifties. That was pretty uh, good. It was. I liked it. It was pretty entertaining. Yeah. I told Emily. I I was hoping that she will get a. Ch- I've told her before, but you know who knows what Emily what goes on in her. She was uh, actually talking about her feet the other day. So you know it's kind of hard <laughs> to catch her attention on something. And you know, but uh, she she swore to me that she would watch this because I thought it would be you know interesting to get their you know perspective, girls on film or just her or whatever. I think they would like it. Um, I did. And next thing I watched was another documentary called Debbie Does Dallas Uncovered. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, you know, they went looking for everybody that was involved in the movie, and um, they talked to like uh, Eric Edwards, uh, R. Bola, who was in Cannibal Holocaust, also, and um, Herschel Savage. And there was one girl that they talked to. Most of the girls either wouldn't talk to him or they. Uh, or they they found him, but they wouldn't talk to him. One girl had uh, died of an overdose, but the 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 titular Debbie Bambi Woods, nobody could find her, and I thought that would be the payoff that they would, you know, finally find her, and they never found her. So anyway, but it was good. It was interesting. It talked about um, they had a FBI guy who was big on the, you know, uh, going after pornographers because uh at the time the mafia was made all the money off of them and everything and and he said basically all this the girls and stuff were exploited but uh it was funny not funny it was kind of sad seeing like that arbola uh, he was walking into this building while they were doing the documentary and it's like man he looks like he's got, like his back of his shirt's all dirty well how he doesn't have i mean has like people that movie has probably made like a hundred million dollars he got 500 bucks or something for it. Never, you don't get any residuals or anything. He was a big famous porn star. And that's what Herschel Savage said. He goes, we're the most famous people because people walk up on the street and say, Hey, you're so-and-so, you know? And he said, but none of, no, but none of, none of them have any money. Mm. And, um, so it was kind of, kind of gives you a perspective on the business. Uh, next thing I watched was commando 
Commando Mengele, uh, a.k.a. Angel of Death, uh, starring Christopher Mitchum. And I thought this would be like – it's a Nazi exploitation movie, and it's made in Paraguay. It's really, really low budget. It's got some fucking oh, – the, the, the fight scenes and shit like that, the dialogue. Everything's bad. Uh, chimp babies and um, – I said that chimp babies or half chimp, half man stuff where he's doing experiments, which was pretty fucking hilarious. It was so bad, but I, you know, I thought, Oh, Christopher Mitchum's in this. He'll of course be the big hero. And he was, and he was one of the bad guys. <laughs> it's fucking asshole. It was, and, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and the next thing I watched was, uh, the beast in heat, another Nazi exploitation movie with another man beast who likes to fuck women. Uh, that was pretty fucking outrageous. And, uh, it was a cut above commando Mengele. Uh, if beast in heat, say Ilsa, she wolf of the SS was an a list Nazi exploitation movie. Beast in heat would be B list and commando Mengele would be, a U list, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, 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 but it was it was still <laughs> fucking entertaining. Uh, last thing I watched was uh, Charles Bronson in Telephone. Uh, the woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep. Hmm. I like this movie. It's a good movie. Uh, pretty cool uh, that um, it takes place during the Cold War. Bronson is a KGB guy, um, and Lee Remick is like his uh, uh, contact in the United States. And even though he's KGB and she's uh, an American who like, – like Crusher Khrushchev, she's an American that fucking is a sympathizer for the Russians and helping the KGB. They're the heroes. So it's, it's a, I like it. It was a good movie. Anyway, that's it. My old uh, note. I, I I saw Debbie Does Dallas for the first time um, as uh, like as a way you probably should see a, a a classic porn like that the first time. It was with friends and stolen from one of the friends' dad's sock drawer. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. So he had a stash, and we found that one. And we watched it, and uh, it was, you know, when you're like 13 years old, you're just like, <laughs> you know, just cracking up at it. So I thought Debbie looked like that she, there's something wrong with her. <laughs> she might have been a little bit um, touched. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her eyes looked weird. Uh, so I didn't watch too much this week. Like I said, I've been pretty busy. So um, I got four in. Um, and speaking of Ursula Andress, I watched Stateline Motel that has mm-hmm. her in it, taking her top off. And nope. uh, Eli Wallach, Fabio Testi, and uh, Barbara Bach is in it just a little bit. Gosh. Um, this is it's pretty good. Uh, I uh, got it that leachy type time that we all like, love, something. Yeah, you put salt on those leeches now. Yeah. Um, I saw it stand by me. <laughs> uh, yeah, Stateline Motel. It's about um, two jewelry thieves that um, they split up the loot, but they to to make their getaway, and they're going to meet back on the other side of the of the um, line in a 
near the U.S. State border. State line. The, the, well, the, the country line, the Whoa. border. Uh, it, it happens, I think, in Montreal, and they're going down into the United States. And Oh, it uh, is the Canadian border. Yeah, they get stopped at a little – They get well, Fabio Testi gets hung up in this little town because he wrecks his car. And uh, that's where all the shit goes down. I guard the Canadian border. No, that's pretty good. But Willie Nelson sang that song in uh, Wag the Dog. Wag the Dog. I haven't seen that in a long time. Um, I watched randomly on YouTube. I don't know why I was on YouTube, but uh, I watched The Wanderers. Ah, um, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, I didn't. I've never even heard of this before. Are you um, serious? Yeah. Um, it didn't don't really fuck any, with the Baldies. Didn't really have anybody I recognized either. Ken Wall, Linda Manns. I don't know who those people are. Oh Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> you son of a bitch, you motherfucker! But uh, it, it was good. It was like kind of mm-hmm. like um, it was like kind of a mix between like the Warriors and American Graffiti. <laughs> okay, takes- now the, in the in the football riot scene, uh-huh. you know when the dad uh, goes and takes the bench and smashes it and yeah, starts yeah, beating. Yeah. Okay, that reminds me of my dad so bad that it actually kind of makes me want to throw up. <laughs> wow. Uh, my dad was not big and bulky like that. So yeah, yeah, well, you know. He wouldn't have even been at my game watching. in the. Oh, and, and when the dad was lifting weights and he would tell his wife, come over here and feel my arm, you know? Yeah, that's Gross. my... Gross. Uh, So-and-so didn't have an arm this big. <laughs> You wish you looked this good when you're my age. How big I hear that that? fucking, I still hear that. (laughs) Uh, I watched uh, The Black Legion with uh, Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And this is good stuff, too. Uh, This is like his, I think this is his first starring role. Um, This is a movie about, The Black Legion was kind of a spinoff of the KKK. They weren't exactly out for... Just like they weren't hanging black people. This happened all around um, uh, the Detroit area, like in Ohio, the the Rust Belt, I guess. Um, uh, they were kind of against foreigners taking jobs. That was kind of their thing, and they would kind of they would uh, harass different foreigners. It's a good thing, like that kind of prejudice doesn't exist today. I know. Tell me, about we'll just it. build a fucking fence. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get build fence. But uh, apparently, like some research was actually done on the initiation process to the Black Legion and all that. When it, sh- I, I posted a little picture of it with him on his on Bogart on his knees with a pistol against his forehead, reading a reading a like a I guess a, he's swearing by something with his hand in the air. And they um, the KKK actually sued uh, either MGM or whoever released this movie. <laughs> really uh, sued them over this, which the judge just threw it out of court. So, yeah, dumb fucking morons. Um, they and took then, my baby away. KKK took my baby. Uh, the only other movie I watched this week, besides what we had to watch for the show, was the was the Revenger or the Sax Man. Um, <laughs> damn it! Um, this is the gentleman reviewed this with uh, with Bryn. <laughs> this is Oliver Reed and uh, Frank Zagarino. And talk about uh, just a complete, complete. Uh, what is it? Disparity is that the word I'm looking for? Like Oliver Reed was awesome, and then Zagarino was just like, ah. um, and talk about dropping the ball when they have a guy called the Sax Man, and he only plays the sax at the fucking beginning of the movie. He should have been carrying that shit around with him the whole movie. Well, um, 
I don't know why when you said sax man, <laughs> it just reminded me that I watched Seinfeld uh, the other day and it was ass man <laughs> episode, which was fucking hilarious. Uh, uh, so. Hey, ass man. So that was it for me. I, I did watch. Um, I did start watching season four of Doctor Who, the new the new series of Doctor Who. So <laughs> I'll, I'll probably be uh, sacrificing some more movie time to get back into Doctor Who. So. Doctor Who. Cool. That was it for me. Short week. Uh, let's take a break and come back. And I'm going to blow my nose and take a shit. And we're going to review Mosquito <laughs> on the Tenth Floor. Something. Okay. Okay, we'll be right back. Did you know that Asian people prefer being called Orientals? Did you know that Ching Chong, Ting Tong is a respectful salutation in all Asian cultures? Did you know that paper cuts can cause massive arterial sprays in Orientals? No? Well, then you should listen to Podcasts Without Honor and Humanity, the Internet's fourth best Asian film podcast. Every week, your host, Jake McLarchuge, will cover two Asian films that can range from the obscure to the notorious, from a Sonny Chiba werewolf film to a splattergore atrocity, from Category 3 to the Korean New Wave and beyond. Tune in at the website, podcastwithouthonorandhumanity.libsyn.com. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. Or you can just search Podcast Without Honor and Humanity in iTunes. So give Podcast Without Honor and Humanity a shot and get cultured. Flawless victory. I need a shower. Uh, first, <laughs> first film mm, that we will review tonight, today, or this afternoon. Hot, soapy shower. Mosquito on the 10th floor. Oh, yeah. Dom, <laughs> I'll let you introduce it here. In a world full of disappointment, full of bureaucracy, debt, and no hope. A middle-aged police officer finds himself realizing that life is a big bucket of shit, <laughs> and he can't take it no more. Ching chong chang, ding tang. That's not appropriate. Uh, no, is- you just played that fucking Jake McLarge Hughes doing that. <laughs> Uh, that totally ended up being a coincidence. After I made it, I'm like, oh, this is going to go before Mosquito. I sh- uh, it just kind of works. Um, this is directed by <laughs> Yoichi Sai, who uh, this – I've never seen anything else by uh, by Sai. Um, although the trivia on his IMDb says he is the most famous film director of Korean residents in Japan. And that's not even his name. No. 
son of a bitch changed his name. He could have went with Yang Il Choi and made it easier on us. Well, Peckerhead, you can't you, you can't be going. See, by... See, I didn't say Zipperhead. I said Peckerhead. <laughs> you can't be going by uh, your Korean name in Japan. That's uh, true. That's yeah. Look at Ricky Dozan. So yeah. So um, this is his first film. Um, <laughs> And I something was crawling on. <laughs> Must be the pills starting to kick in. <laughs> it kind of it, it, this kind of made me think of like a Takeshi Kitano type movie. Um, I know you saw uh, Outrage early, uh, recently. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. This kind of reminds me of his older stuff um, that I've seen. I've not seen a whole lot, but um, it had that kind of feel where you're just kind of like watching this guy unfold, and it's kind of almost low key in a way. Even I didn't know have. Takeshi Katano was in this, and he is. Is he really? A man at a race horse track. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't even realize that either. Yep. As Beat Takeshi. I wonder if this had any influence on him then. He was in this, saw it, and was like, you know what? I can make a movie like this. I can do this shit. Yeah. Um, the or actually, you'd say, well, no, I'm not even going to do it. Yuya Uchida, who stays nameless throughout the movie. He's called Hero on on IMDb, but nobody really calls him anything. Um, and he's got a daughter named Rie played by Kyoko, uh, Koizumi and his mm-hmm. wife, who I don't know her name. Um, both cunts, uh, Keiko was his wife's name. Maybe I don't remember. No, or to- yeah, it's, it's, it would try a man when both your wife and daughter are cunts. Oh God, they're awful. Boy, had, that fucked me the worst. I had hopes for his daughter too. So, um, <clears throat> What that he would have sex with her? No, I had hopes that she would be like a like a a, a nice beacon of light in this non cunt. <laughs> yeah, because his wife is just awful, and you know you see his the way his daughter's introduced is pretty cool. He, she's, yeah, 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 she's got she's being a teenager. She's skipping school yeah. and stuff, and he goes and checks up on her, and he kind of watches her, and she knows he's there, and um. They never really talk to each other, so I'm I'm just hoping that at some point that they're gonna have like their relationship is gonna be rekindled in some way, and but you know she's a bitch too, so. Um, but I, I really dug the opening of this movie. I, um, it's very '80s. It's very synthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess he's he's walking around, and the I guess the the theme of both of these movies this week is kind of guys having trouble adjusting to changing times. Mm. Um, and it's 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 shown right here at the beginning when he's walking around what appears to be an electronics store, and there's people like trying out computers and stuff. And he asks this kid what he's doing in a computer, and the kid doesn't really he, the kid doesn't answer him, but he's writing out a program in BASIC that displays the name of the film in red. Well, I thought that, I thought that was pretty cool. So, oh, pretty cool. um. But you know, I mentioned the the park, and they, he, he doesn't say that it's his daughter at first. But um, the, I guess we'll just call him Uchida, the the main character. He uh, on one of his daily trips to go check up on his daughter, who's just dancing in the park. Um, and I forgot the name of that area. Do you remember what they called it? It's a it's a I, I, Harajuku. I Harajuku, yeah, the, uh, that's a pretty big, I think, uh, meeting place. Mm-hmm. Um, Looks like something almost out of like Greece or something. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Interesting, like this is what I was going to say. The like the melding of American culture that kind of happens sometimes in Japanese culture. It's like they kind of take something that <clears throat> has had you know some kind of cultural movement 
out of America and kind of reapply it in a weird, in a different way. Um, like punks and greasers kind of melded together. I do know that. And you kind of see it here too. There's one punk guy that has a big giant mohawk. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Looked uh, kind of odd. But these kids are dancing to music, that, like rock music that sounds like it would be out of Greece, but they're actual greasers. They're wearing, like they have their hair uh, slicked back. They, they're wearing leather jackets. And, you know, in an American movie, they would be like thugs. In this movie, they're doing synchronized dancing to this kind of like poppy sounding rock music. Um, and then they get pissed when uh, when Uchida drops a uh, <laughs> an ice cream cone on the ground. Like, hey, yeah. <laughs> you drop this here, the police are going to be on us. So, and I didn't say that, but Uchida is a policeman. Um, that would have been funny if he'd have pulled his badge out and said, "I am the motherfucking Shore <laughs> Patrol, motherfucker." <laughs> It's like about, don't read, don't reach out and grab that horse cock under the bar. And yeah, horse cock, because I don't know a certain sailor that had it laid upside his fucking head. Anyway, the um, back in time, let's progress forward. Um, or I'll go nuts. He uh, Uchida is a, is a cop, and you could tell pretty much from the beginning he's very burnt out at his job. Um, know anybody like that? Maybe. Uh, I know, <laughs> possibly. I just looked at him in the mirror, disgusted at my uh, my need for a shower. Um, Worsh. I uh, totally lost what I was saying. Oh, right. So what? I, what? I, another an, an an element I like to this movie is that you don't get a lot from him. You don't get a lot of like what he's experiencing, but you have people that constantly like will berate him or be talking loudly in, near him. And it's totally like, it's almost like a narration. Um, for instance, when he is out on break and these younger police officers come in into the break room and they're yelling and screaming, not really screaming. They're not ranting or anything, but they're talking loudly about the progression of being a police officer. Like you do this for so many years, you take a test, you move up, you blah, blah, blah. Well, Uchida has been stuck with this, you know, in his, he's a, he's a box police box officer, like a chief. It's just, mm. a, and if anybody's not familiar with that, it's like, they have these like, I guess, check posts in Japan where a couple cops will just hang out and people can actually go to these boxes for help if they need it and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and they, the, the cops are on bikes. They'll ride around, um, doing their patrol or whatever, but he's been here. He's been a cop for like 20 years and he's never moved out of that role. Um, he fails his test constantly, but he doesn't, he, he, he kind of studies, but he's not really interested in like, I mean, he's got a drinking problem, which kind of explained later why, I mean, because of his awful ex-wife. Um, but he's just really burnt out. He lives alone and, um, can't really find anything to connect to anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, like I was saying with his wife too, you know, she sucks, but it's nice when she's on the screen because it, it explains who is how, what he's actually going through. She's yelling at him about, you know, being st stuck in this dead end and everything. And like, you know, all this stuff. And while it's awful for her to be berating him like this and saying that he needs to pay her the money, you get caught up on his situation because like I said, he's just a very stoic guy. He just goes, he drinks and he goes home and he's just a quiet guy and he goes to work and he just looks miserable. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, finally, he gets something that sparks his interest, this computer. And in 1983, computers were revolutionizing things. So um, this is pretty huge. Like he, you know, this, this computer, he, he takes out a loan and what? Um. <laughs> what? Uh, the, um, what are you laughing at? <laughs> Nothing. Good. <laughs> Am I th- am I sounding like an idiot? I, I need to know. You're no, me no, 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 no. You're doing great. Hey, shut the fuck up. Um, you are doing. You're. I mean, it's like one of the better times, better, better shows. <laughs> um, the uh, but the first time you actually see him smile, and it's kind of an awkward looking smile, but is when it's when he gets his computer working. He like writes a little program and highlights the tenth floor of a, a, a very basic looking apartment building, but um. And he does. He lives on the tenth floor, so he's the titular mosquito. Maybe we can call him mosquito. Um, the uh, but that's the first time you see him smile. But this is also kind of the turning point when he almost embraces this drastic change in everything, <laughs> and he starts going bad lieutenant on us. He starts spending all his time on the computer and podcasting and stuff. Yeah, fucking idiot. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm getting fat. <laughs> So, loser. Um, you know, when I say bad lieutenant, all of the things that you would expect the bad lieutenant, to do, uh-huh. he's pretty much he's pretty much doing those things. Yeah. Um, he's got some good luck at first, and that he kind of finds these women that are okay with him being kind of a a pushy guy. <laughs> yeah. Now, pushy I know, <laughs> is that what they call it? I know the felony. <laughs> I know this is uh, in Japanese cinema or. And you get this a lot, like misogynistic like messages. Like this one woman helps him home from the bar, and he's not delicate with her at all, and bring her into the house. But she's ultimately into it. And I think that you know that happens. That seems to happen a lot in Japanese cinema. Yeah, it never happens that way in real life. <laughs> it does not at all. Wait, but um, you know this that, that girl does come back later on and i said bringing beers and fucking by computer light this is my kind of girl <laughs> yeah no uh, yeah they were fucking i mean that was pretty ex- explicit uh yeah they did the around the world in 80 days kind of a <laughs> deal yeah, um, and then i said uh oh police lady was not one of those girls that are okay with him being pushy um you finally you do didn't get, matter you do get a rape scene that's a little that that one's definitely more uncomfortable than the other ones um, there was one now the girl, her, her name, she's listed on the IMDb second as second, uh, maybe she like symbolizes something. She's second credited. She's on the poster. Her name's Ann Lewis, but she seemed Japanese. Um, and she just credited as woman who shoplifts Ann Lewis. Maybe that is maybe that with the computer is like, maybe that's why she's so high on the credits is the, because she's kind of, you know, she's the opposite of everything he would ever be interested in because she's, mm. she's a very punk Rocky. She's got her hair frizzed up. She's got very harsh, like almost like a, a D Snyder like makeup on. Yeah. And, um, he kind of pushes her all the way home because she, you know, she's like, okay, you're a cop. Wait, this isn't the police station. This is your house. I don't know. Where are we going? You know, that that's not a gun. That's your dick. Oh, yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's implied that he, I guess he rapes her, but she doesn't, she's not really fighting it either. So, um, there was an interesting thing, and I, I I don't know if it's true or not, but the with the guy, one of the police chiefs, you know, everybody starts to notice he's taking out all these loans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uchida's taking out all these loans because 
his life's kind of spiraling out of control. He spent all this money on the computer. He's got an ex-wife that demand, he's behind on his alimony, and she's living this pretty looks like a pretty decent life off of the money that he's been sending her. And um, he and uh, just busts his balls. Yeah, so he just starts going. I, it must have been a lot easier to get a fucking loan in Japan in 1983 than it is in the United States now. But uh, he just walk into somewhere and tell them where you work, and they'll give you fucking four thousand dollars. But um, so he just goes loan place to loan place, taking out loans. He goes and and I've never seen these before. But instead of the horse races, and it does yeah, say a man at, it does say a man at rate at a racehorse track. It's they're little tiny little one person speedboats. And um, they look fun as hell, but God, I bet those things are dangerous. Yeah, it's almost like they're doing yeah, you know, like when uh, driving when they do drifting. You know, they go around in a big circle, and the the it was like a stadium, almost like the Indianapolis Five Hundred, but it had a great big thing of water in front yeah. of it, and they would just race. So he's just going and gambling all of this money away. He fucking just drinks like a fish. <laughs> um, he starts to get. He starts to get creditors after him and stuff like that. So basically, the whole film after after that turn, you're just seeing him just have a gradual meltdown. Yeah. And then until you know, I, I'm not going to give away anything big, but you know, he uh, it reaches it reaches a point. So um, critical mass. It reaches critical mass. But uh, the police chief, you know, you know at He's, he wants to have a talk with them because they've known each other for twenty years, but and he knows that his this guy has never moved up and everything, and he, you know he asks about his family life and everything. But he he does say this inter- interesting bit of information, on, and I'm guessing it's true, but that the police boxes in Japan are tra- like they're a traditional thing, like tied to samurai being stationed in a similar way. And mm. I, I never even I never even realized that. I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. So yeah, um, so. This is a this is a a low key movie. Um, I like the way I like the way the computer is used in it. Um, he's often going back to it, and it's getting things are getting more like at first it's just like a square on the screen and with a red line across it, basically like showing his apartment building. Every time you see the computer after this, essentially, it's getting a little more chaotic on the screen. Um, he's figuring out how to do new things. And at one point, it's almost like a light show. Like when I said bringing beers and fucking by computer light, is it's almost like a something you'd see at a a display at an art museum where it's just lines of color just all zooming across like uh, in front of each other, just making just just like mess of of color, digital color on the screen. So, um, but I, I like the way that it was handled like that until you know what happens to the computer too. So. Um, well, let's. Let, let, I want to hear what you have to think about it too. So, well, let's see here. Let me look at these notes. God damn it! I, I, um, I didn't think that the police looked uh, all that. Um, I don't know. I would say intimidating or menacing, riding around on a shitty fucking white bicycle <laughs> that's going probably two miles an hour. Um, Pretty much confirms this movie. Pretty much confirms that all people that are younger than you are assholes. <laughs> uh, 
I thought the uh, I think the shoplifting girl she kind of uh, was like the Japanese Tony Basil, uh, you know of um, <laughs> Oh Mickey you're so fine yeah and uh, she, she uh, let's see that was that was Ann Lewis Ann Lewis there you go um, AKA Tony Basil who was only um, ever in three movies Empire yeah, some of the of, Night some of his fucking abilities. Um, were, it looked more like uh, mixed martial arts uh, things where he would get behind them and wrap his legs around their waist and you know and 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 he was a big tit sucker. He did like the titties. That one girl, I swear to God, if he didn't sit there and just she just laid there and he started sucking on her one tit and just that's all he did for it seemed it seemed like. Five minutes. It was probably only a minute or so. Uh, he, you he were did. watching Joe at the same time. <laughs> it and uh, yeah, well, that was kind of the same thing there. Uh, uh, well, actually, here's a funny thing. Uh, when I was, like I said, I had uh, this on my computer on my on my um, uh, desktop, and then right beside of it, the iPad. And while he was having sex with this one girl, they were showing this little bowling game that he was playing on the computer. Yeah. And at the exact same time in the movie Joe, they were at the bowling alley. So that's <laughs> kind of like the Donna Summers, me killing Donna Summers, which nobody knows what I'm talking about right now. Um, doo -dee -dee -doo -doo. He bitch slapped some guy when he was drunk. In the bar, and it was like not the kind of slap that would probably hurt the guy, but it was a really stiff arm, uh, slow slap, more slap push, uh, tit suck. Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. Yeah, he gets in, and not only is he in debt to like, um, financial institutions like banks and stuff, but he also gets into the Shylocks, which is a Jewish term. Uh, this is pussy. Oh, okay. <laughs> there was a time where he was talking on the phone and somebody called and said, this is so-and-so from such-and-such -such bank, and he goes, this is pussy, and then he just hung up on him. <laughs> well, that's from his when he was doing the computer program to display the word pussy on the screen. Yeah, and he then, was kind of becoming undone at that point. I don't know what the, the, the Japanese word for it is, but he basically made it all disappear, so when pussy disappeared, it just said man on the screen over and over again, which is pretty <clears> cool, too. If you aren't a pussy, you are a man. Apparently, or they maybe they're the one and the same. Well, there you go. He's seeing himself as you know ineffectual and <laughs> yeah. Um, this is it's almost kind of like a I was going to say a midlife crisis kind of a deal, but it's it goes way beyond that. I think he's the kind of guy that, like you said, he holds everything in so much. Um, he has no outlet even, you know, uh, for anything. So, uh, it's just a question. It's like, uh, on the, the Seinfeld episode of, you know, serenity now, serenity now, instead <laughs> of just going off and letting it out, you try and keep your calm. Well, eventually it's like a, you know, a, the steam builds up and you're going to, you're going to have a, uh, adverse reaction. Um, what are you doing? Huh? 
Lay it on the floor. Uh, um, <laughs> I guess like pillows. Such so like forcing something out. No. Right the, tar, the tar sands ass. Uh, we'll, I'll take care of that later. Um, Baby. This does have a lot of... Uh, a lot of grappling, fucking, subduing, fucking uh, kind of a thing. And the guy, I don't know. I, I can't even imagine, considering he doesn't say two goddamn words unless he's shit-faced drunk in a bar being just the most obnoxious person in the world. Most of the time, he doesn't say shit. <laughs> and so I, I'm not sure... <sighs> I think I think it's kind of uh, I hate to I don't know if I should say I hate to say this but like some of the things uh, where he's got these women and he's basically assaulting them and then they relent and they start to enjoy it that's yeah. pretty, like you said I mean talk about misogynistic how many women do you know I mean you might have one in a million that are into that kind of shit but. To where you know they would just be like, oh. but ninety percent of them it would, you know, be devastated. It would be rape and blah 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 blah. Um, the guy is he. I think it's almost like he sees that um, you know the the folly or the hopelessness of his life like there's nothing left yeah there's no joy there's no he i mean there's no there's nothing to look forward to i mean okay you know his thing was okay probably i'm going to get you know my dream is you know i want to have a good job i'm going to get married i'm going to have children and everything and he did all that but then he's just it's like it's almost like he is like the movie Groundhog Day that we fucking reviewed, uh, it's almost kind of like that. He's living that, but um, he also has these people that are just like uh, tormenting and eating away at him, eating away at his soul or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, you know, his wife constantly berating him for money, yeah. and then when you finally get a chance for him to ha- have a you know, a moment with his daughter. She brings her friends, leeches money off, leech, yeah. you know, leeches money and lunch off of him, and just bounces. And you know, and it just has to be just completely and totally disheartening. Now he does, you know, uh, the, like uh, there's the one girl, and she keeps coming back. So you <laughs> think, okay, if if any, you know, if the guy, <clears throat> there would be some hope there that okay i finally met somebody who likes me that keeps coming back and that he could start anew and have have some kind of um something to look forward to right but you know he he well she kind of goes home with everybody though i mean they you know yeah she's just a hoe but still i mean you know it's a hoe is better than no hoe and uh now this movie was based on a true story. I did not know that. Yeah. Pretty sure. <laughs> and yeah. It was based on a true story. I read that. Oh wow. Oh yeah, it's this yeah, in the in the one of the reviews down below. Yeah. And uh and Joe was too, you know, the one we're getting ready to review. So um it's not 
for me, I know you really like this, like this movie and, you know, whatever, but I, I, it wasn't an enjoyable experience. (laughs) There wasn't, there wasn't a lot in it that was like, you know, um, fun to watch for me. And it was just kind of, I don't know. I, I know what they were going for and everything, and but it's just kind of a bleak movie, you know. And I don't know. <laughs> we can get into our ratings then. Um, yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I I did quite enjoy this. Uh, I um, and I, and other people did too because I read the reviews. But I just I don't know what it was. I just couldn't. It didn't grab a Holt of me. Holt, um, Steve Holt. This is um. This is a cool movie, and I'm I'm surprised it's somebody's first. Um, it's uh, to have your to have your main character really have about three lines of dialogue in the whole movie is pretty uh-huh. pretty unusual for a first film for somebody, I'd say. Um, and like I said, if you're a fan of of beat Takeshi stuff, um, you'd probably enjoy this too. Um, this is kind of like like I said, Bad Lieutenant and kind of falling down at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is uh I liked it a lot. Um I'd give this uh I give it a seven point seven five out of ten. Um it you know oh hell, I'll go eight because I mean I can't think of anything that I just really disliked about it. Um and I even watched this like half awake, so I definitely would watch <laughs> this. I definitely would watch this again, so Well, I will beg to differ. Uh I would not watch it again. And it just, like I said, it just was kind of, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. It was, there was the guy, uh, it just was just kind of blah. And maybe that's because, and I know that they were doing it for a reason that he didn't say a lot Mm -hmm. and that he was just kind of like this, this poor schlub standing there while this shit's just being thrown on him, thrown on him, thrown on him. And, but I mean, it just, you know, if to me, if the guy had been at least a little bit more charismatic or something, I don't know. It just was, there wasn't anybody in it even that I was, I mean, it just, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like I said, it just didn't do anything for me. I, I, I would give it like, just a five. A five. It's it's um, it's a good movie, but it's just it just didn't work for me. Okay, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay, man. I forgive you this time, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Seven point seven five, or what? Eight seven point seven five in that area, or and a five. Uh, that's our review of a mosquito on the tenth floor, and we're going to come back and do Joe from 1970, starring Susan Sarandon's tits. We'll be right back. When you're watching movies, are you sick of remakes, reboots, reimaginings, reinventions, and Reese Witherspoon? Are you fed up with movies where giant robots try to remake Enter the Dragon? Do you think that torture porn is vastly inferior to 1970s drive-in porn? 
Do you find Botox actresses with fake tits and action heroes with no chest hair a turn off? Do movies where no single shot lasts more than two and a half seconds piss you off? Yeah, me too. That's why I do Paleo Cinema Podcast, a podcast for films more than 20 years old. So if you think the Cicerese is a guy and that Myrna Loy is a kind of metal, you need Paleo Cinema Podcast. Go to paleo-cinema.com and do yourself a favour. In a world with Bill, a wealthy businessman. Um, Bill, a wealthy businessman, confronts his junkie daughter's drug-dealing boyfriend. In the ensuing argument, Bill kills him. Panic-stricken, he kills them. He kills him multiple times because his image was just repeating over and over again. Uh, Panic-stricken, he wanders the streets and eventually stops at a bar. There, he runs into a drunken factory worker named joe who hates hippies blacks and anyone who is quote-unquote different and would like to kill one himself the stu- the two start talking bill reveals his secret to joe complications ensue this stars uh susan sarandon kind of uh patrick mcdermott as frank then you have uh what's his name uh, peter boyle as joe and the two wives that i don't remember their names so um dom let's hear your thoughts of joe as a person and a movie as a person i thought he was a pretty decent guy um <laughs> you know a hard worker uh, he's a, a good uh husband and a home make whatever um okay joe <laughs> is a movie about It's a a meeting of the minds uh, and, 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 and a melding of two classes, these two guys, uh, one who is white-collar, uh, another who is a blue-collar guy, and um, they're kind of just randomly thrown together just by coincidence. Um, I think that the... The I you know I just called him the dad, uh, the white collar um, guy. Uh, he is prejudiced to a point in his own way. He can be condescending. He uh, 
his group, his culture, his people uh, uh, look down in some sense on on uh, people of a lesser class than him, whereas Joe, played by Peter Boyle, is this like I said? He's blue collar all the way. All, you know, American-made blue collar union guy who you know uh, works hard, gets paid little, um, and he's full of bigotry. He's full of racism. He's full of uh, pretty much. All that stuff is because, one, that's the way he was brought up, and two, it's a, an ignorant way to uh, basically feel sorry for yourself. It's everybody else's fault. Yeah, yeah. It's everybody – it's the it's the, uh, the spicks that are trying to steal our jobs. It's the, you know, whatever. Um, so you start out pretty much for the first – first um portion of the film you it's it's all about um the white collar dad guy's daughter who is played by a very young susan sarandon so the only thing you see is her and her living her life she lives with uh, her boyfriend who is this uh they are hippies, pretty much what you would just find as hippies of, of that time. Yeah. And they live in a little shitty kind of apartment. And he is um, a dealer, but he's really like a low-budget guy. He's the kind of guy that, that uh, is kind of a uh, do-whatever-it-takes-to-make-a-buck. Um, he uh, is the kind of guy that will burn you on a on – a, I mean, he has. They have all these young people. He was selling. Around. He was selling fake pills and stuff. Yeah, selling yeah. fake pills. Uh, or he'd be the kind of guy that would sell you a bag of oregano or something like that because he's trying to raise this money so that he can go buy more drugs. He's a junkie. Uh, he does heroin. So I mean, you know, uh, he's shooting up, and apparently she has too. But she's not like. Uh, super duper hooked the way he is she's kind of like you know do we have to do you know i don't want to get high or or uh or you know you're are you really going to do all that and and she wants to get clean and he's like oh come on you know let's just uh get 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 enough money to where we can get enough junk to just fucking get blitzed and just fucking stay in our room and just just fucking zone out and be fucked up all the time. That's that's his goal. Um, and we do get to see Sarandon's luscious boobies. Yeah, she she gets naked and shows her her very young boobs. Um, now, but the thing, she goes out and um, he goes out and is trying to make money. He's like he's selling these these fucking pills. Who the hell knows what they're laxatives? I don't know what it, what the fuck they were. And um, she. Um, is like I said, she's trying to get him to come come home and spend time with her and be like a real couple and everything. So eventually, while he's out, she or she takes a, a bunch of pills and basically, you know, ODs and 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 that's when you're introduced to her mother and father. Now she's like almost like a Manson chick where. 
you know, she came from this rich uh, family and probably had just about anything she wanted, could get away with murder, but she, you know, is kind of disgusted by their lifestyle, you know, the cocktail parties and dressing up and how fake it is and how they look down their nose at other people and everything. Yeah. So she wants to get away from that and go and, and be free, you know, the whole free love, do all this and that of the, um, of the sixties. And so you are introduced to the parents as they visit her in the hospital and, you know, they're trying to bring her around and everything. Well, um, they they knew kind of what was going on and what she was into and everything, and they were they were wanting her to to get out of it. So the dad decides, okay, I'm going to go and to her apartment and get her get her things and get her the fuck out of there and all this net. Well, when he's there, the boyfriend shows up and he's like, they they have a, an exchange. Um, and, um, the boyfriend who's kind of a smart ass anyway, uh, he pushes just all the right buttons, you know, (laughs) well, wrong, depending on your point of view. (laughs) Well, yeah, or all the wrong buttons, but I mean, you know, him saying, you know, she, you really did a head trip on her. You know, if the reason that you despise her for the way she is, but the reason she is the way she is, is because you, dad, you ran such a game down on her dad and da 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 dad. And so anyway, um, dad, (laughs) (laughs) he, he, like I said, it just, it just, the guy hits all the, everything that he's saying, I think, is pretty much true, but you know, the dad just goes into a rage, and um, I don't think. I mean, I know I'm pretty sure that he didn't. It was there's an accident. Uh, I would call it an accident. If it was, if the cops would show up, they would probably, you know, get manslaughter or something like that because it wasn't like premeditated. But he ends up, uh, the boyfriend ends up dead. So in a um, almost a like a zombie-like state, uh, you know, he's in shock pretty much. Um, he gathers up all her shit and all evidence of her being there, and then uh, the guy, the boyfriend, had just scored all this. All the he made his big drug score, and so he gets all the drugs, he gets all his uh, daughter's shit, and leaves, and leaves the guy there dead. So he just happens to wander into a kind of a local uh, tavern or local bar and there's this big loud mouth uh, guy in there and you know who's drinking beer but just spouting off to the bartender spouting off to anybody within earshot you know he must have used the n-word probably 10 times in about 20 seconds um and um Oh, what? I had some of the funny things. He was saying, you don't work, you don't drink. Like he said, there should be a law that you can't buy alcohol if you don't have a job. Yeah. Uh, he, he's kind of like a, if you ever, you know, if anybody ever watched All in the Family, he's like Archie Bunker, but he's even ratcheted up even <laughs> more than that. And I think that they actually said that, uh, I know um, there was a British TV show um, that 
All in the Family was based on, but the actual character of Archie Bunker, they got a lot of inspiration for it from uh, Peter Boyle's you know, role as Joe. Um, 42% of all liberals are queer. That's one thing he says, <laughs> uh, which, you know, pretty much could be true. Um, oh, I didn't know he died. Peter Boyle? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, he says this, uh, he says this over, uh, like, you know, throughout the movie, um, I've never had an orgy. Orgy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of an orgy, he, he keeps, he says, you know, he wants to have an or, an orgy. He's never had an orgy. He's very blue collar. I mean, everything about him is blue collar. Um, now, he, the the dad sits down. He's sitting at the bar and he's having a drink, trying to calm his nerves and everything. And Peter Boyle is sitting there saying, "You know, uh, basically, we ought to we ought to kill these fucking hippies. We ought to we ought to shoot them. You know, the Mexicans and the and the blacks and and everything else. He's just you know, we ought to just shoot them and this and that and everything. And uh, the dad just kind of lets it slip. He says, "You know, I killed one." And yeah. Peter was like, what? What? You? What? He's a big boner. And then the dad realizes <laughs> that he says this out loud. And he's like, oh, shit, I better shut up. Oh, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. So then later on, they talk a little bit and then go their separate ways. And um, then um, Peter Boyle, they show Joe at his home. And pretty much his wife is is as racist, uh, uh, you know. And and this reminded me to an extent of you know in the seventies or whatever with my own family uh-huh. and how and a lot of the stuff that they said in this movie would be something that you would hear every day. And we were like middle class and everything, and uh, and um, but his wife is you know. Apparently, just another thing to irritate Joe is that some coloreds are moving into the neighborhood. So instead of just, you know, like if somebody moved into my neighborhood right now, I don't give a shit who they, (laughs) white or yellow, because more than likely, I don't really give a shit and I don't pay attention. They're peeping out the window. They're looking at everything, you know, all their furniture. Oh, they got nice furniture. All their sons seem really nice. For the you know for being collared and and all this and that and yeah the niggas are moving in and blah 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 and so she's she's you know harmless but she's the same way yeah. as to, he is. to make himself feel better when he finds out the horrible news of the black family moving in he goes downstairs and polishes a rifle yeah he's kind of a gun fetishist and everything and he's been in the military uh, and so he sees on the news uh, about this. You know, young hippie junkie that that's been killed, and they basically the cops don't have any clues that it's the dad guy. Uh, it's more or less um, they think that he had made this big score and got these drugs, and that somebody had robbed him and stole the drugs. So he's off the hook. Uh, but he, Peter Boyle puts two and two together, and he's like, "Yeah." But the thing is, he is down with it. He's like, yeah, man, that's cool. So he actually contacts, you know, the dad at his business and says, you know, let's get together. Um, leading him to think, okay, this guy's going to blackmail me, but it's not, Peter Boyle tells him right off. It's not that way at all. 
you know. Right, right. I admire what you did. You know, it's like when we were in the army, and you know, uh, when you when you do it, when you killed one of those guys in the army, uh, it felt bad, but it felt good at the same time. And so, anyway, they are they're kind of forced into having a friendship at this point. Yeah, they're forced into having a friendship, and it, and, and it's sort of like uh, at first. It's it's almost like the the, the dad, the white collar businessman guy, is going along with it just uh, because first of all he doesn't want to go to jail, and he knows that Joe knows his secret, so he's doing it that way. And then not only that, but they have like a fan, they have like a a, a, a a go to him and his wife go to Joe's house. Uh, to see how the other half lives, and it's almost like looking down their nose, sort of. And um, and Joe even his wife's trying to clean the house, and he's getting irritated by that. He goes, "They're just like us," uh, you know. And and the wife is the wife is very. She's not condescending to their face, but she she puts on like. Uh, and then they when, when Joe and his wife leave the room, they're like, "Oh my God!" You know, and they and they still look down their nose at these people. Mm-hmm. And um, Joe kind of he there's subtle things, um, like someone will make a a quip or a little comment, and he doesn't get it, and they have to explain to him what they're talking about. You know, and he's like, "Oh, okay, okay," you know. Uh, so he's not like a real educated guy or anything like that. And there's one point where his wife is saying something like she's just trying to be nice and make conversation with these people she doesn't even really know. Right. And it's like, okay, enough. You know, he like cuts her off. So it's it's like Archie Bunker when Archie would tell Edith, you know, stop. <laughs> Except not funny. It was just like it makes your skin crawl when he does. Yeah, it. it wasn't funny at all. You know, but I mean, it's just like he rules the room. Stifle yourself, oh, Archie. She's <laughs> uh, she's you know the housewife, and he and he rules the roost, and and uh, they compare how much each makes, and um, Joe works. It was like a steel. Yeah, so, some kind of steel manufacturer. He, he, yeah, he works with some kind of molten something, something. Yeah, and he makes four dollars an hour, one hundred sixty dollars a week. And I was like, "Wow, <laughs> sounds like my career." Yeah, well, and then, <laughs> the the dad tells him, he says, "Man, I make." He says, "Well, I make sixty thousand dollars a year," and he's like. Man, movie stars make six. Nobody makes sixty thousand dollars a year. Movie stars make that much. Uh, you had the uh, the the um, like I said to, to show the blue collar side of it. Uh, you know, the, they go to the, you know they have the bowling alley and uh, the the Joe's friends are like, you know, uh, he shouldn't be here. He should be golfing. And I remember that it's weird now because so many people golf now. Yeah, yeah. But back when I was a kid, the only people that golfed were like country club people. So you had to have money, yeah. and it was considered a white collar sport, uh, and it's more acceptable now. Um, Joe and the dad kind of—I um, think the dad's kind of like here's this uh, like blue collar, low class, but he's almost like a. He thinks Joe might is almost like. Not a prophet, but that he has the answers. 
Right. And Joe's like, you know, he's really simple and uh, like kind of like a caveman. And he tells, you know, they're talking about like cheating on their wives. And Joe says, you know, you got to cheat so uh, uh, so you don't resent the old lady so much. You cheat on your wife because if you don't, it builds up inside of you and then you end up resenting your wife. Um, and another Joe-ism was uh, when they left that they left uh, the blue collar bar and went to the white collar bar. He said, "They look like a bunch of fags. Not really fags, but close. You know. So it, it just everything is everybody's put in their niche or in their little group. Whether you're you know you're you're a fag or you're a you know a, not really fags, but close. Yeah, not really. They look like a bunch of fags. Well, not really fags, but close." Uh, then they do the uh, the male bonding thing, and I thought that was that was one part that I thought was pretty funny was when they were both were standing at the urinal pissing, and you know they've been drinking, <laughs> yeah, pissing on ice, and and yeah, the one guy says, uh, he says, look, hey Joe, look, no hands, doctor <laughs> orders, I'm not allowed to lift anything over ten pounds, <laughs> which I don't know was pretty. I've used that one of these days. Um, I don't like to talk when I'm standing at the urinal though. Um, another uh, a Joe when you like I said like a blue collar uh, he's like a blue collar prophet and he says uh, do you ever think that everything you do in life is just one big crock <laughs> of shit uh. and you know there's times where you know it seems that way um, so anyway um, They they go on. It's almost like an odyssey. Right. They 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 hook up, and at first it's kind of like uh, they have. Um, I mean, just that class warfare underlying kind of tension. Not as much from Joe because he's kind of simple. So I don't think he. You know, like I said, but he does look down. He looks looks down his nose. At, like I said, you know, they look like a bunch of fags. Um, and then the dad is kind of the same way towards him and how he lives and everything. But then they just start kind of bonding on a um, macho male thing. Right. And, you know, I think they, the, the, the dad starts looking at like, you know, we're not so different. You know, we're different, but we're not so different too. Uh, you hate these fucking hippies and – and you know, I I'm kind of the same way. And he starts seeing things, and and he or they start seeing things in each other, and they kind of bond. There's a little friendship that actually develops there. It's um, I don't think it's an enduring friendship. <laughs> um, they end up getting drunk and going from here to there, and uh, they they come across this like hippie hangout, hippie bar, hippie restaurant. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, what the fuck? Let's go in, you know. We'll we'll. Well, they're, they're they're looking for they're looking for his daughter. Yeah, because she she leaves the hospital and decides to go back to her lifestyle. And they, they at first they had they never told her when she was in the hospital that her boyfriend was dead, and she eventually finds that out. But so they decide, okay, you know, it's almost kind of like a, a a quest. You know, we're going to go find her and and bring her back to you know, our great world. And, uh, the odyssey, they get involved with hippies. They start doing things that they, you know, that 
that they never thought they would do or that they actually would shun like smoking weed and uh have an orgies <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know you get to see peter boyle's big he's naked and you get to see his big gut laying on top of a girl which was kind of funny and to me <laughs> and how he's he's really like I said, almost like a caveman kind of a guy, like even when having sex. Yeah. He's like, he, he doesn't even want to take his clothes off. Uh, and then the girl says that he, he only takes like 30 seconds. And, and uh, he's like, what are you talking about? You know, like him, the thought of actually pleasing the woman, he it would never <laughs> even occur to him. And so it ends up um, these two bulls in a china shop. Like, you know, go in with these flower children or whatever. And it's it's almost like two grotesque ogres. Like I said, like a bull, like in a china shop. And they're like, you know, like Frankenstein's monsters or something. <laughs> Just, he's saying that and he was a young Frankenstein. But um, even though, like when they get high and they have sex and everything – they're still it just it works a little bit it's like okay you know maybe these guys are gonna you know change or whatever but they're just they're beyond that they're they're not it's it's almost like they're in an alien land uh and you know but it eventually just like the other movie that we watched it, um the guys are stuck they have their own insecurities. They have their own uh, hang-ups, bad hang-ups, their own bigotry and stuff like that. And um, it eventually uh, – if if these two guys wouldn't have come together, it's almost like the perfect storm kind of a deal. Even though the dad had already you know, lost his cool and you know, a horrible thing happened, uh, if – he would have never ran across Joe that he probably would have just went back to his life and just lived it the way that he always had. Uh, and fell right back into it. Um, but when he met Joe and Joe was just full of rage because of his own inadequacies as far as job life, life, uh, home life and everything else that, um, they came together, and then the next thing you know, it's it's going to end in in you know tragic circumstances, and right, I'm not right. going to know exactly what happens or anything like that. But um, it's that's the the tale. You know, the the actual movie's called Joe. Uh, the the dad actually shares as much screen time as he does. It's really more his and his daughter's story, right. and, and, and and Joe is like. Joe's like, I guess Joe's like the narrator, <laughs> like yeah. we were saying before, you know, in the other film where the people yelling at hero, the quote unquote hero were narrating his story. Joe's kind of narrating this sentiment that I think a lot of people probably had um, yeah. as one side of it. You know, you hippies aren't shown in the most positive light in this movie, but. Well, that's a, to me, that was kind of a plus because you could easily have went with, you know, they are just, 
you know, stereotypical, the flower children, peace and love, and da-da-da-da. Nobody but, comes off looking very good in this one. Yeah, but, I mean, it's 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 more realistic that way because it's almost like electri- ele- the movie Electric Light in Blue. They could have easily had, okay, all the cops were assholes and all the hippies were the good guys. And everything. But that's just reality. I mean, I know people, you know, that would be pseudo hippies for these times. And there's some of them, no matter how much they smoke and no matter how enlightened they are, think they are and the music they listen to and everything, they can be assholes. I mean, they, they can be just as misogynistic toward their wife or their girlfriend. It can be, um, they, they put out this front that they're so much more, uh, uh, enlightened and everything but when it comes down to it they have their own prejudices they'll cheat they you know they cheat on their girlfriend cheat on their wife maybe you know treat their old lady like shit kind of like that guy i mean you know the boyfriend he they you know they're supposed to be all about peace and love but basically he just wanted to get high and he treated her like shit mm-hmm. and even when she overdosed he's like ah don't sweat the smell be all right She'll be all right, you know. Hell, he didn't know. So it's it's more realistic, and it's to me, and it's and it's a better movie because they didn't just go extreme black and extreme white, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now I saw this a long time ago when it, you know I think um, this movie and Peter it was one of those deals where whether it was at one time. I kind of latched on to Dennis Hopper and started trying to watch everything that he had done, read about him. Another point was like, you know, Sean Connery, watch every movie he was in, read about him. And Peter Boyle at one point, uh, you know, I watched, um, I found this movie, uh, a movie called Crazy Joe, which was where he played Crazy Joe Gallo, the the actual real uh, mafia guy. Um, you know, Young Frankenstein or Friends of Eddie Coyle. Uh, and there was a lot of movies that he was in Outland and uh, uh, The Candidate with Robert Redford. So I really liked I liked his look. He definitely has a distinct look. Even when he was younger, he must have lost his hair when he was really fairly young. Cause oh, yeah. He was, only- he was less than 40 in this movie, yeah. I think, or and maybe around 40. This was the fourth movie that he's made. I've never seen him where he had uh, – he has the classic horseshoe male pattern baldness, you know, yeah. where he's absolutely no hair. And he's a big guy, um, So he and he has a certain charisma. Now, he said, I guess this was based on a true story. This guy, um, his daughter was living in a, like a hippie commune in a house somewhere. And he, he and his wife went to – the wife said that they were just going to go to get her and bring her home. He took a nine millimeter pistol, uh, like a the uh, Luger that has the clips, and he I guess he took like extra clips. She didn't know that. He went in the house. He claimed that he hit her boyfriend over the head with a gun. The gun went off and shot her. But then in the court thing, it said that he, she was laying there sleeping, and he shot her like five or six times. His own daughter. Jesus. She she graduated from high school at 16 because she was really smart and all this and that. He killed his own daughter and he killed her boyfriend and I think like four four other people or something. Like it was like mass murder. Huh. Um, and the thing was, uh, like when they had the trial, 
the judge, uh, the judge, and I think the lawyers watched the movie. It came out. The movie came out seventeen months after this had happened, uh-huh. and they the, they watched it so they could see what it was. And then after they watched it, they told the jury that they were not allowed to read anything about the movie. They weren't allowed to watch the movie or anything. Um, and I know Peter Boyle, when they screened the movie, it did, it was like the 12th highest grossing movie of that year. So it did really well for a low budget movie. Yeah. And Peter Boyle, like I said, this is like his, the only the fourth movie he ever made. Um, so he was an unknown and it kind of catapulted him into stardom. And uh, the guy that directed it, I mean, he went on to direct uh, Rocky, Rocky Four, Karate Kid, and then one of the other Karate Kid sequels. A bunch of a bunch of pretty good movies. And um, but when they screened this, um, they said people started cheering during the violence, and it disgusted Peter Boyle so much that he said he would never make another movie that glorified violence. And he was up, he was the pick, uh, the guy that was supposed to play uh, Popeye Doyle in The French Connection. And he oh, turned wow. it down and because, um, he turned it down because he said he didn't want to be in a movie that like had violence or glorified violence. And then Gene Hackman got the part and won a fucking Oscar for fucking it. Fucking hippie. Yeah, the fucking stupid hippie, dumb shit. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's it, uh, it's a kind of movie that uh, it's not going to make you feel good. <laughs> no, like the other one we watched. It's it, there's, there's such a parallel there. But um, it's funny that I watched Black Legion this week too, which is similar, has a similar kind of feel. Like, I mean, there's a lot of similarities with Black Legion in this movie. With uh, with him joining the Black Legion and um, his, you know, he has a friend that's actually like, what, you know, what the hell are you doing with your life, kind of thing, and you know, it's the same kind of sentiment though that Joe talks about throughout the whole movie. Tea Party Joe, as I called him in my notes. Yeah, well, and I think, but I, I'll tell you what, I think it's it's. I've always say this, you know, about movies and stuff. It's a time capsule, but it holds up even today because, like I was saying about, you know. Uh, that's one thing that people use um, for their political agenda is to turn everybody against each other. Right? You know, uh, it's us against them, the, the 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 foreigners or the the lazy, no good, you know, uh, minorities who are stealing from us. They're taking our jobs from affirmative action <laughs> and this and that and. Um, they're entitled and they're on welfare and they're having the and Peter Boyle even says that you know all they do is have babies they give them they give them rubber so they won't have babies so they sell the rubber so they can buy booze now that's just fucking ignorant that's just stupid that doesn't make sense I've never heard of anybody that was like I'm gonna get all the free rubbers I can get and then go sell them so I can buy uh, uh, weed and fucking uh, drugs and booze. That's just dumb. I wish I could buy weed by selling rubbers. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's just shows you that even though things change, like we were talking in the last episode about the North Carolina, you know, uh, gay marriage uh, law that they put in the Constitution. Things change, but then when you really look at it. 
we have not progressed that much at all, and it's really sad. Yeah. So I, you know what I liked best about this movie was less like the story of of Frank and Joe, but more their relationship that kind of happened. Yeah. Um. I I, I thought that was really interesting how they didn't exactly see eye to eye, but they got along. There was there were similarities definitely, but then at the same time there was nice contrast between the two, where you would have you know, well like like especially when you saw the contrast right up against each other when they go from the bowling alley to like the the wine bar or whatever. Right. Um. You know, I thought that was a really nice. I thought that was a nice like uh, comparison through the whole movie is having them always hang out together. And experience the same things through different eyes, you know, right. the eyes of like a rich man versus a, a blue collar guy making four bucks an hour. So, yeah. well, if they if they if they didn't have easily, these guys could have you know been friends and everything else. Uh, it's all, but I mean, Joe, you wonder why. Like he said about being in the war and some, some, you know, you'd kill somebody and it'd feel bad, but it'd feel good at the same time. This guy seems to me like he was almost uh, very close to, to uh, well, I mean, being almost like a psychopath. Yeah. Because um, Especially when the circumstances, you know, the the conclusion and how he acts and everything, it's it's just you know, it, there was, this rage was building up, building up, and building up. But everybody has that inside of them to an extent. Everybody has their prejudices. Everybody has, you know, uh, you know, things that where things build up and you feel like you're going to explode. But if you're a rational person, you deal with it in a rational way or whatever or something not that extreme but when you go to that extent and he's almost has like it's almost like a mania where he's like those goddamn just sitting there spouting off and the people that know him are just like <laughs> they're like one can it already we're tired of this yeah. like, shut up because he's just talking to like just like broadcasting. It's like when people watch Fox News and they think they're smart and they just broadcast that bullshit uh, and it's like, dude, you 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 don't even really know what you're saying or what the real evidence is or anything. You're just spewing out your hatred. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you need to look in the fucking mirror. But everything else is everything is everybody else's fault. And if it wasn't for this that, then he would be whatever something else. But um, I think the dad, more or less. Um, his thing was just almost like a, I guess I would almost call it like a crime of passion. Um, when the incident happened with him, it wasn't like that he was, he was crazy sitting around thinking this shit. He was just kind of a snob. Uh, and, um, you know, when the guy said every now and then his daughter, he'd say every now and then she'd like to try an old dick, almost like saying like, you know, <laughs> that the dad couldn't take it that because his daughter was out on her own and fucking him. And it was like, 
I think he made the dad feel like when he said every now and then she liked to try an old an old dick. Yeah, it was like like getting at him like you know she's your daughter, but almost like a, like he was touching on like in some kind of strange, weird, incestuous thing between you know the dad and the daughter. I I don't want anybody else to have her. I want to you know. <laughs> Not that he was thinking that he wanted her sexually or whatever, but when the guy said that, it really just cut through to it, cut you know into some some nerve, and then it made him go kind of berserk. So in a very trippy way, <laughs> yeah, in a very trippy way. <laughs> uh, this is kind of unrelated, but did you notice that the when uh, Susan Sarandon showed up uh, high at that store, and the storekeeper kind of tackled her in a big pile of soiled bras? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see the, That's what the, the sign. She tackled her into this pile of like it was like a box of bras that they were selling, but it said soiled bras, like three ninety nine or something. It's gross. What Must is, have been like a a thrift store or something. Where how do you so, wait, how do you even soil a bra? And why would you even? Well, sell it? it's probably just like uh, pre pre you you know like a lot of places uh, they whether it's the Goodwill or whatever they don't want you to bring your underwear. You know, they probably, did, they, probably, they probably didn't give a shit in 1970. Probably just used, you know, used like a consignment or something. Right. Whatever. Or you could have like a, in like in Japan, have a vending machine with used undergarments in it. There you go. Mm. And you just fucking sell them on the internet for people to sniff. <laughs> um, I don't honestly, I don't have a lot to add. I didn't take very good notes on this, but it's uh, it's not one of those kind of corny movies that has a lot of funny observational stuff and and you you know you covered up uh, covered it pretty well and like i was saying the the one of the more interesting parts was the relationship of joe and this and and now was his name frank i, I keep calling him frank no compton what was his name something frank compton. Uh, no not frank bill william yeah william what compton <laughs> william, william and joe um you know and the you know the the guy that played bill um what is his name? Dennis Patrick. Uh, I thought he was pretty good. Oh yeah, he was. Um, he was really good. I mean, I mean, you know, Joe is obviously the standout. He's on the poster already, but Peter Boyle's a loudmouth, and he's going to draw the attention. But I thought, I thought, uh, I thought Dennis Patrick was really good. He um, he had he had this sly way of smiling at times. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I mostly remember him. Uh, uh, you know. I remember the guy's face and everything from being in a lot of TV shows. And mm-hmm. then when you, when I'm looking at his filmography, that's basically most of what it is. It's just TV, TV, TV. Uh, he was in, he was in the dark shadows TV show. I wonder who he was in that. I can't believe I know he wasn't Barnabas Collins. Cause that was, that guy just died. So, um, yeah, we can just get into our ratings here. The, uh, it, it's, like I said, it's it's not something you're just going to go like, oh, did you see the 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 gold chain on so and so? You know, it's not that kind of movie. Um, it says it was nominated for an Oscar. Who was it? Peter Boyle. Uh, oh, best sure. writing. Yeah, the Norman Wexler did the script. He did. Um, this is the same guy that did Serpico, and he did uh, yeah. uh, the Saturday Night Fever. Um, so it's it. That that and like I said, that that's probably the best part of this is the the writing itself. The well, and then the uh, Adlidson, the director, was supposed to do Serpico and Saturday Night Fever, and I think he got in a big fight. Oh, with um, oh, 
I don't know if it, if, if it was with um, the writer Wexler or, but it, it, they just had like a falling out, so they didn't do them. <laughs> Wexler did Mandingo also. Nice. He didn't, <laughs> did he do drum? <laughs> no, he didn't do drum. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we can get into our ratings here. Um. I would give this a 7.75. I think it's a good movie. I think it's uh I think it's kind of it's an important film. I think it stands up even today even though it's dated as far as the hippie stuff and everything goes, as far as the bigotry and all that crap goes, it, it definitely stands up. It's not a a nice movie. It's not a movie that's going it, to it's kind of a a really a movie that really just almost like this these modern times right now when you look at America and that they really play up the America thing like Joe is this you know right. uh a real american you know uh and uh and in some ways he is a real american he's uh, you know bigoted he's ignorant he's just a dumb fucking loud mouth blowhard <laughs> full of hot air and that's you know a lot of time you know that's that can uh, describe uh, a true patriot, you know. Um, And I think Peter Boyle and, like you said, uh, the guy who played uh, Bill were very good. Just about everybody in the movie was good. Some of the hippies were, you know. Yeah, whatever. It was a little dated, and they were not the greatest in the world. But and and but you have to take into account too that this is pretty much a you know a, like a low budget movie. I don't know if it's like an indie movie or, um, but I, for its time, I would think it would be probably considered like an indie movie. Let me just say if 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 uh, Bill and um, and Joe were were drinking and then smoked as much pot as they did. There's uh-huh. no fucking way they just would have been like up and about and banging and like able yeah. to drive. <laughs> they, yeah. they were they would have been in bad shape. <laughs> uh, they've, uh, they, yeah, I don't think uh, with all those depressants, you know, with alcohol and weed, uh, that your dick's going to be like the hardest dick in the world. Now, this movie, it, it the budget was only a hundred and six thousand wow. dollars, and the box office at the box office it made nineteen million. Wow. So it did real well, and then you know I don't know as far as VHS and everything you got to tack that on there. But well, so the, I like well, the the Joe uh, Mad Magazine spoof was called Schmo. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> that's funny. I, uh, I I give this a seven. Um, for me, like I said, I I liked the middle part. Some of the stuff in the middle though, but like you know you're sandwiched by some pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Some of the stuff that happens in the middle for me kind of meandered a little, um, which is the only reason why it makes it. I mean, it's a really, really solid film, and see it for see it for Peter Boyle alone. If anything, oh, yeah. um, it's on instant too. So, mm-hmm. um, but I liked it a lot. I mean, I, I'd give it, like I said seven out of ten, um, and another one that I'll probably revisit in the future. So, it's a good one. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's take a break and come back and do some feedback. We'll change it up a little this week. How about that? <laughs> we'll be right back. Oh, yeah. During this podcast, I've seen a lot of changing in the way you feel about me and in the way I feel about you. 
In here, there is only one action movie being reviewed. But I guess that's better than 20 million. I guess what I'm trying to say is if I can record and you can listen, everybody can be entertained. Yo, Adrian! Action Attraction. Your home for all things action. To find out more, visit metalmikey.lipson.com or search for Action Attraction in iTunes. Some feedback, if you will, Daddy. Feed sack. Feed sack. I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, speaking of sack, at the Durham Bulls Stadium, they still have the giant bull that you saw in Bull Durham. Huh? Um, when you know, with the red eyes and the smoking nose, and um, and for some reason, I don't know, it's not necessary, but they draw. They still have the giant ball sack painted on it. <laughs> it's so weird to me. Like, I, there's even, they even sell T-shirts in the uh, in the team store that have the big ball bag just hanging there, and they even ha- they had a bull bobblehead too, <laughs> and underneath fucking two balls. It's, well, so, it's so unnecessary. You may be a redneck. Yeah, it's one of those deals. You might be redneck if that's the greatest comedy ever. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, I've not. He should. They ought to let like uh, Larry the Cable Guy play John Wayne Gacy or something, just to break out of the Larry Cable Guy mode. I've watched have, one of his movies. It I was, have seen that one where they were in the army, or and they thought they were in Iraq and they were in Mexico. I watched the one where he was like a redneck. <laughs> he, he pretended to be a redneck. No, the uh, oh God, what was it? it? Was like a he was like a bodyguard or something. God, it was fucking dumb. Hell, that shit's dumb. Ugh. Anyway, I haven't listened to these voicemails, so hopefully there's no spam this week. So here's the first. Oh, and Justin, I'm sorry, I still could not figure your shit out, and we'll try it for next week again. I'm sorry. Um, so first voicemail. Hey boys, Willie here. Uh, just listening to your latest episode, Young and Old. Good stuff. I didn't even realize those uh, naked pictures with those incredible <laughs> bazookas were fucking Ruth Gordon, man. That's uh, that's pretty incredible. Uh, next loaf, you have to fucking get to Horror Hound somehow. Aaron's coming in from Hawaii, man. Like we got it, we got. I'll be there. I'm bringing my wife. I was I was gonna say she has to meet the mustache, but that sounds like I'm <laughs> using code speak for some awkward. Uh, 
thing that I really have zero interest in. Uh, but speaking of things I do have yeah, interest yeah. in, I want to say that Mikey is a fucking Puritan, and he needs to recognize that spitting on a girl's asshole and her pussy is hot. <laughs> That's all. You have to. Mikey, try it, buddy. It's fantastic. Ta-ta. <laughs> Ta-ta. You have to. It's a must. That's part of the repertoire. You don't have to stand back 10 feet and spit a giant hawker, but you got to get something down there to get the juices, you know, get everything. Uh, next voicemail. This is also from Will. Also, Zom, you look a pussy all. You need to rejoin Silver and Gold Facebook group. <laughs> you're in a tag team match against all the mutilated dick and pussy, and you're just turning your back when Loaf's trying to tag in, man. You got to represent for the S&D, daddy-o. So get back in there. There's less mutilated dick there's less of everything and that's it get back there you're missed we love you bye <laughs> so Zom hasn't it, since since then rejoined so yeah, um, rejoined. he did not get the uh, the pomp and circumstance of the first time when I posted about 18 pictures of slaw but um, he did rejoin and, uh, <laughs> happy joy joy the world is fucking great again and Martin posted a awesome picture of a little kid on a Vespa dressed as Prince. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> That's funny. All right, next voicemail. Hey there, it's Emily. Um, yeah. Harold and Maude, they're just asshole. That's the problem I had. Is I saw it a few years ago and I loved it. And then I watched it about a year ago. And the characters are just such jerks. Like when you're talking about the Tom Scarrett, like Tom Scarrett's just going over because she's so fucking hard. And she has to make his life miserable. And it, it's weird how that movie to me is one that my opinion on completely changed as I, I think, got older and decided it wasn't cute to just be obnoxious and annoying to everyone around you. So, um, Emily's turning into Joe. But I love Ruth Gordon. And we'll, you should really see Ruth Gordon's baby. That's all. Bye. I should see what? Ruth Gordon's baby. But other than that. But I oh, love Rosemary's Ruth Gordon. Baby. And we'll, you should really <laughs> see Ruth Gordon's baby. That's all. Bye. Rosemary's baby. Yeah, oh, Rosemary's baby. That's the first Gordon's So thank you, Emily. Um, yeah, I need to see that. It's, there's no excuse. Well, Emily there with her. These it. kids today. He was just doing his job. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker, these fucking asshole kids. I'm old now. I have tiny feet. Fucking queers. What? I don't know. Next voicemail. Uh-oh. This one's not looking promising. Silence. Actually, that is promising. <laughs> it's still playing. Something's going to happen. I'm going to like shit myself again. I mean, yeah, I guess this isn't a real voicemail. Sorry, whoever you are. That didn't work. Uh, I wonder if I can figure out who that was. I don't think that was my fault. I think that was just a blank voicemail. That was from Texas. Ooh, maybe maybe Dylan and Christine called in. Maybe. Maybe it was Doc. Doc. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for voicemail. <laughs> What's wrong? Uh, <laughs> Joe. And, uh, asthma. Um, asthma. That's it for voicemail. That's it for feedback. We didn't get any. Yay, no one can go to sleep. Time to go to sleep. So next week, as Zom mentioned at the intro of the show, we're going to do... A, I guess we're going to call it a DP uh, MB episode. We're going to do a double <laughs> double feature of double mag. Wait, magnificent bastards! Two magnificent. Uh, 
we have uh we have Charles Bronson and uh, Elaine Delon uh the uh in both movies. Uh we'll throw Mafune in there too. What the fuck? Ja, he had done the other one though. I know, but maybe he maybe he'll be crazy enough to make up <laughs> for it. Yeah. Um so yeah, we're going to review uh Red Sun from 1968, also called Soleil Rouge. And we're going to review Farewell Friend or Adieu l'ami uh from 1968, both starring Elaine Delon and Charles Bronson. There will be yes. pistols and manliness and testosterone to be had by all. I'm literally shitting myself, not or figure, figuratively shitting myself. I'm almost literally shitting myself because I just came to the realization that I just watched both those movies and I'm in the clear for seven days. There's not, I'm not going to have to watch anything at the last goddamn second. We need to start watching these a little earlier. Well, fuck! It's, making, tried, it, it's making it stressful on both of us. I think that we it wait is until stressful. fucking Wednesday like, and Thursday. Ugh. Makes you want to puke. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Red Sun, farewell, friend. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zom, do you have anything else to add this week, sir? I ain't got nothing for you. I'm going back to sleep as well after I stuff my face with something with cheese on it. So, yes. Until next week, this is Loaf with a dick mouth saying, oot. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Loaf oot? <laughs> Zom spitting on a dick <laughs> saying, Zom. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>